Hi everybody and welcome back to this week's episode of B2B Nav. I'm joined by Sam, John and Ollie and this week we're going to discuss um, videos as part of the, the, the content and marketing mix and I think um, a little bit of background and um, video is still very much at the forefront of most of our clients um, and contact imaginations when they're thinking about how to um, bring their um, brand, their products and their services to life. Um, and I think particularly heightened, maybe even more at the minute during the pandemic when um, perhaps face-to-face -face content and, and, and collateral isn't as easy to communicate, um, more and more people's default seems to be video. Um, should we start with you, John, on that point? Have you, uh, can, can you echo that? Have you seen that? Do you think that? I think it's kind of, it's really interesting what's happening right now in terms of how videos kind of, I guess, the uses are expanding so mm -hmm. beyond you know typically we might have been doing explainer videos we might have been doing product demonstrations but now it's actually expanding out into sales pitches into kind of broader more kind of i guess overarching content as opposed to kind of being used as one part of the mix now it's almost becoming the whole mix i think that's yeah. kind of a little well very much so born out of the necessity of covid isn't it and it's kind mm -hmm. of people now looking and I suppose pivoting out of specific Marcom's tactics and techniques and utilizing the ones that are kind of readily available now, video being clearly at the forefront as it's probably the safest way to communicate with people at the moment. Sure. And you think, I mean, technology obviously plays a part in this at the minute in the sense of um, videos becoming more accessible to people, but then linked to that. I guess is the whole, the, the budget point, the quality and the expectations, which I think is something that's really worth talking through today on the call. Um, Ollie, have you got any thoughts on that? I mean, obviously we, we see a lot of clients doing the videos, we're saying they want to do a video, um, but do you think technology has played a part in making video more accessible for people? Yeah, definitely. Because I think there's that common perception that video is really expensive or hard to do. Um, and, it, and it just doesn't have to be, and, it, and that's genuinely doesn't have to be. Obviously, if you're gonna do some incredibly professionally shot corporate video that involves going to multiple locations, particularly if those locations aren't your own premises, mm -hmm. um, and you're gonna have lighting rigs and stuff like that, so that's gonna get more expensive. But I think our expectation of what people want as a video has often changed quite a lot these days as well. Mm -hmm. People don't necessarily want to see that kind of sleek, overly polished video all the time. So you're seeing, I mean, I'm sure a lot of listeners will have seen the, the type of uh, video on social media where it's literally people pointing their camera at their faces. If the content's good enough, it doesn't matter as much what that presentation is around it. So yeah. I think within that, because of things like mobile phones um, and also because of, of other platforms that are out there now, it's a lot faster and easier to record uh, video. So for, mm -hmm. for example, um, I think as was mentioned before, we use a tool called Drift Video at B2B. Mm -hmm. There's others out there like BombBomb or Video and things like that that can all help you record your your you know uh, self speaking to, to camera really quickly and easily send those to to clients and prospects and just give people much more personalised video content that again we just wouldn't have thought would be possible if you went back sort of ten years ago. And do, do you think do you think people are arguably getting a bit fatigued with that style of video at the minute? And I know that's not lost on me in the fact that that's effectively what we're doing here at the minute because it's a similar kind of style. But <clears throat> I don't know about you, and Sam, I'll come to you on this one. But in the sense of when you're scrolling your LinkedIn feed or your social media feed and you see somebody pointing their mobile phone at the face doing this piece to camera, is that something that you want to engage with? 
is it something that you think oh Christ not another one of those videos what's your thoughts on that from your, from your perspective I think it depends because um, I think initially you had a sort of point where no one really was doing video and then obviously you had you know the release of the iPhone and things like that where you yeah. can literally stick a camera in front of your face and you've got a pretty decent camera you know in your pocket at all times mm -hmm. and I think since it's been so accessible for people you've seen more people adopt it which is great but I think you also see a lot of people just making the same sort of content as everyone else and yeah. you sort of end up with just a really saturated market of the same thing mm -hmm. I think for yeah. me it really stands out when someone does something a bit different with it and sort of explores the medium a bit more I think that's it with some of the apps and some of the platforms that are out there these days, taking it that little bit beyond just being a straight piece to camera um, isn't that hard either, is what I would say. And I'm sure you've played about with various things, Sam, with your, your skill set and your background. But do you think that as well, John, in the sense of the different kind of platforms that are out there just to add a little bit a little bit more gloss it's to what is a typical... It's been a great level, hasn't it? Yeah, mm. it's kind of been a bit of a level. I mean, I'm just looking at my iPhone at the moment. It reminds me of about a week into lockdown, one of our clients had already kind of arranged to do some piece to camera video, which obviously they had to cancel. So we were looking at kind of how could people autonomously kind of deliver that video yeah. back into the marketplace. It was actually mm -hmm. a job that Sam was booked to go to, I think it was Belgium to film it. Good to um, day, Sam. Good to you could have been in Belgium now. We it's went through the whole process with that client of um, working out how could we create consistent video across those two or three locations with two or three different people. And it yeah. basically boiled down to all of them happened to have an iPhone, which was quite handy. Yeah. All of them had access to Amazon and could yeah. buy these like little Manfrotto. Little pixie. IPod. Yeah. And they all bought like a, a single plug-in mic from the phone and through through a little bit of experimentation and using iMovie of all things, they all mm. created pretty much high-end piece-to-camera videos. Mm -hmm. I thought it was quite interesting that as a leveler, that's kind of giving the power back a little bit to people to kind of do this. And it's not shrouded in, in the same way, I guess, web development before WordPress kind of got into the CMS market. Mm -hmm. It was a little bit of a dark art, wasn't it? And you kind of, you had, Drupal or Umbraco and you had things that you know everyday people found very hard to work with yeah and WordPress kind of revolutionized and equalized the web and digital market so you know little things like the phone iMovie things like Ollie's mentioned drift video even zoom you know you can record yourself on zoom to yourself you can use space time there's so many ways now people can do it I think also coupled with that, coupled with that in terms of the tech itself and the platforms making it more accessible and more convenient to uh, to achieve, the the embarrassment factor has almost gone a little bit, don't you think? And I think that's I think that's been accelerated even more with the with the pandemic and people working from home and more Teams calls and people getting used to having the cameras on. Because I remember in week one when everybody worked from home, people were pretty nervous to turn the cameras on. Now it's just default on. And I think turn it off if you've got signal issues pretty much seems to be the way people go. But I think, I think, I think you and I met, might have done one of the first videos at BDB. And I can't even remember why now, but we have stood side by side in the- I remember the doing it in the, in the hive, yeah. It's awful. It's awful when you look back on it. But it's what it is now. And we got more natural at it. We discovered a better way of doing it, better angles and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, I have seen, because we've been doing a lot of videos with the team of the, in the last year or so, 
everybody's got more comfortable. At the beginning, it was like, oh, I don't want to do a video. I don't, I'm, I'm afraid of doing videos. Or I don't look great today. And now everybody just realizes that it's just, it's just the same as seeing somebody in person. Just get on mm -hmm. with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's a real double edge to it, though. Just thinking back to the whole enablement and technology thing. I don't know mm -hmm. if you've seen this, Ollie or Sam as well, but what I've noticed is now that video is more accessible, now that everyone can kind of create content, mm -hmm. there's kind of, there's a weird kind of disparity now between expectation and budget when you have to go into doing yeah. something, shall we say, slightly more high end. Yeah. Kind of been a lot of pressure put down on budgets because people kind of have this perception that it's a very straightforward process. And I think that kind of, it's an interesting devaluation of the higher end video. But I think it is, isn't it? In the sense of like, you know, even Sam, when we're talking about Sam going over to Belgium shooting things, there's an expectation, well, that doesn't cost that much. Because you know, the alternative is we do it on the phone. And you go like, no, no, if you want the proper rig, the proper setup, you want the right lighting, you want the right sound, and you want, you're going to be guaranteed that when, when the videographer or photographer leaves that premises, that they've captured what they need to in the right quality. Because um, quite often, with our clients, particularly people are getting together from various locations and you've got that one day to capture exactly what they need, then that is a skill. That's what I mean. So what do you think on that, Sam, in terms of the, the skills of the professional, professional um, videography side of things? I think it's, it's really difficult because with videography, there's a lot that goes on sort of behind the scenes that, that you don't really notice. And, you know, and, I, and I didn't until recently notice things and I still every day you learn a new thing where you think, that's how they did that. Or, yeah. You know, um, and I think there's almost the expectation that um, when you're paying for a videographer, you're paying for the, the sort of camera and you're paying for, it's just going to look great. Um, and I think when people say, well, hang about my phone shoots in, you know, at 1080p and this camera, this video is going to end up in 1080p. What's the difference? Yeah. I think there's more to it than just like the, the filming. There's a sort of mysticism that comes with, with it when you're, um, you're creating videos and there's obviously the editing side and, and things like that. And I think it's, mm -hmm. It's difficult now that it's so accessible yeah. um, that you you know anyone can make a video, but then it's it's so different that there's so much out there now that even though you have this sort of starting point of you know let's grab your iPhone let's let's film something and then you go all the way to the sort of you know cinema cameras and paying hundreds of thousands. Mm -hmm. um, I think sometimes people struggle to understand the sort of the gap between the two. Um, I think, I think it's, it's really interesting that, that, that people sort of, I don't know, I, I quite like that people now are willing to challenge it though and say, well, I could do that on my phone. And, you know, you've just got to say to people, do it then, like, you know, try it. And if you find out you need a, a videographer for a certain role and, you know, it doesn't look how you expected it to, then, but you can still try it and you can still, it's so accessible. Anchoring on that point, it doesn't look like they expected it to, because this is, this is interesting, I think, and, and amusing with clients that, and it touches back to your point, John, I guess, around and expectations versus reality. And I think I think that before we came um, on the record today, we were saying, the, what was it, the meme with the life of, life of pie? Life of pie, I'm sure everybody's seen it with like this beautiful um, tiger in the boat with the young guy. And, uh, the, you know, reality is then some kind of, I think it's a cat, is it? Or something next to some, I don't know. And I'm sure people have seen the other one on LinkedIn with the tattoo artist of, you know, what, what you want versus what you pay for. And I've seen various ones over the years, which is kind of a standing joke, I guess, in the agency world. But there is a real disconnect, I think, with a lot of clients between they'll, um, it's a bit like a haircut. I mean, I've had one. But in the sense of when you show somebody a picture of a haircut you want and then the, you expect the barber to kind of do it, that quite often we'll get um, inspiration shared with us from a client of, 
um, I want something like this as an example yeah. and they'll show you an example of a video and, and we all know when we look at it that's probably a 50 grand video or, or more quite often the case and the client's got a budget of 5k or 10k or something like that and then trying to take them down off the shelf from almost concept to reality is quite an education process and um, and I, I also think another point to survey before we throw it out is on the videography photography side of things you can always find somebody that will do it cheaper well, which is quite often the case that we've got, we get two of those done for the price you've given us. Anything? I think it's even worse now, isn't it? It's kind of like at the moment, you know, everyone, it's a race to the bottom for a lot of people to kind of just survive. Mm. So yeah. there is this kind of Dutch auction against almost every project. But I think there's a couple of things. As I was told many years ago, you've used this phrase a lot as well, Matt, you know, buy cheap, buy twice mm -hmm. is one side of it. But also I think what people forget, and Sam made a really good point of, well, I can just point a camera at that. I'm just paying for a camera and a man to press on. Mm. No, what you're actually paying for is all the mistakes that that individual has made, which means yeah. they get it right first time, yeah. rather than you being the experiment or you having to bear the brunt of the mistakes. It's all the little things. So having watched Sam shoot video, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm the world's worst. Again. Oh, it's just do that. Just like crash out, I'll be fine. But actually watching all the preparation that Sam goes through in terms mm -hmm. of lighting, in terms of setup, in terms of camera, testing, everything works. You do, you suddenly think that's actually what you're paying for. You're not actually yeah, paying yeah. for the one minute footage. You're paying for the fact that it's going to be the right. Di the difference in quality is vast, isn't it? You know, I mean, really vast, I think, when you see it between the, what, the ones that are shot on a phone and just cut out and thrown out onto social media versus something that somebody has spent some, some time crafting, let alone hours and days, you know, as it is. With in that today and it looks awful it looks like it was shot on a nokia whatever i think i've got a relatable example here hopefully relatable is anybody that's ever tried to take a photo of a partner and been told that it's an awful picture and you just yeah. know you don't know what you're doing to take a good picture what do you, yeah. you have the camera lower or higher or what where do you actually put it and how do you need the lighting so that you don't get told off after the five minutes of trying to take a picture and it not working well then out? i think but i think linked to that ollie don't you think also when you shove it in auto when you shove it in auto mode and you happen to get a really good picture you only think like you, you do you do that occasionally happens but it's probably like one in ten but you know when you take that photo and you think christ that's a really good picture i've taken there that's again what leads to this mystique in the mind i think of going oh, i can do this um, <laughs> but then you say so you look back at other efforts where the lighting's been poor or whatever it may be um and i do think i think for me the biggest the biggest differentiator at the minute probably is more around the sound quality and um, mm -hmm. you know, here we're focusing on video, and I guess in my mind, kind of the imagery side of things. But the actual sound quality is one of the biggest pet peeves for me at the minute when you are watching videos either on YouTube or on social or on pre records or whatever it may be. Because if the sound's off, and if this is a podcast, I said podcast is another one I've listened to recently, which I, I appreciate people are, are struggling at the minute with connections and speeds, but it immediately turns you off if it's crackly and you can't well, hear no, it. It's like one of those weird little things that is given a second thought. Everyone gets so. I think you probably echo this sam everyone gets so obsessed with the visualization and how things look and the lighting and have you caught my best side that they completely overlook the fact that they might be a complete garbled mess and it's mm -hmm. again these are really easy things to fix again the, the project i was kind of advising a client on literally it was a 15 euro little clip on mic that has a lightning adapter that plugs into the bottom of the phone and it was Crystal clear, crystal clear. Yeah. Crystal clear. It, makes a huge, it makes a huge difference if you get that right. And I think that's where little subtle tweaks like that is where you can advise a client, particularly at the minute, of just investing a little bit 
most of this most of the kits freely available on Amazon, but it just makes that little that little bit more professional even even if you can't get somebody um like Sam or another you know videographer photographer out on site with you. I guess in terms of the agency's role when working with clients on videos then, what do we think our role is in terms of educating them when a client does come to you and say, right, I want this. And I'll use the words like cinematic experience because quite often that's what it feels like. And then they go, I've got 10,000 euros or whatever it may be. Everybody wants industrial light and magic, don't they? And Steven Spielberg. Mm -hmm. And sadly, they'll probably get like, um, I don't know, two bottle tops and (laughs) someone up the a little bit short. But it's going to be a risk at the minute, isn't it? They'll, they'll find somebody that will say yes. And I don't mean, because, you know, what, what we're seeing in the market, again, touching back on the talent stuff we discussed last week, but in the sense that there's going to be a lot more freelancers in the market, an awful lot more freelancers, because people have been made redundant, people have been let go, and you know, certain sectors like hospitality, tours have been decimated. So there's going to be a lot of, a lot of talent coming on the marketplace who are all bidding effectively for jobs. Um, and therefore, I think you're going to see I, I, so we touched on it last week, there's more quality in the marketplace. So arguably there's better videographers, photographers available, which therefore should quell the price slightly, potentially, if you're a client. But I would also say tre- tread carefully, maybe. I think it's um, also a question, you know, and this is where having an agency and the depth of experience and the depth of kind of knowledge really pays dividends, is that, I mean, at the moment, video is an easy thing to jump on, isn't it? Because it's, as we've said, it's accessible. But I think you've always got to go back to that first stage of questioning why, why are you doing what it is you think you want to do? Yeah. And is it the right thing to do? And that's where it's not as easy as just cutting, you know, an, an agency out of the loop. You kind of need that kind of counsel and consultancy. And you need to understand where does this element fit in my entire marketing mix? I think it's also important as well, isn't it, from, from like your perspective, Holly, I guess, to also you know, be involved at the start with somebody like yourself talking about um, not only the technology that's being used, but also the digital strategy to communicate those videos as well. Yeah, very much. You need to understand how it's going to be used before you start creating it, because um, that'll be really, uh, let's, let's focus on length, for example. How long mm. the video is going to be um, yeah. will vary greatly on depending on where you want to use it because people's attention spans aren't going to be as high if you're just sitting there reading a, uh, a social feed. They're probably yeah. likely to be a bit higher when they're on your website and they're more focused on it, or if you're sending it to them somehow. But yes, yeah, so you really need to be focusing on how you're going to use it. Is it going to be an ad where you want people's attention for 15 seconds, or is it going to be something where you're expecting them to be fully paying attention to it for multiple minutes? Or is it one part of a wider journey? Is it part of a series? You know, is it going horizontally, vertically? What's it? Where does it fit in that buying cycle as well? Um, because I think when, when we're talking about these quick and easy videos, that's a great place to, to fit in, like in the sales end of things where there's going to be a large number of videos you want to highly personalized and having a bad sound quality isn't as important as getting a personalized message to your contact. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, when it's, when it's probably a bit broader and you want to be flashy and you want to get attention and awareness from a, from a wider audience, you probably mm-hmm. want something that's more polished. Sure. As you go further down towards conversion, you know, when you're in that nurture, it's got to be really kind of focused on what that person wants. You've then mm-hmm. got to tip them over the edge. You've got to kind of be giving them the value content. And there's only so much. And this is, again, an interesting thing about expectation and enablement is, yes, the piece to camera videos are re- very readily available. All four of us could now go off and do a little piece to camera and tag it on at the bottom of this podcast yeah. quite easily. Yeah. But only one of us 
could then develop that into an explainer video with subtitles, with a background track, with edits, with cuts, with kind it of. Me, by the way. And it's not me either, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's not Ollie. But hey. you know, that's <laughs> you do have that kind of disparity because people are aligning with. Well, I've just done a piece to camera, and I've done six of them, and they're all online, and they're all kind of driving traffic to my site. It can't be that difficult to do a little video with some words on it. I think when we come on, back, I think it, sorry. Well, I think it's interesting as well because when we talk about um, the sort of medium of video, and we just talk about you know the, the camera and things like that, I think people a lot of the time forget what goes on behind the scenes more with the sort of when when you guys were mentioning the agency's role in it. Mm-hmm. When we talk about, um, it's not just, you know, filming someone saying some words, it's the sort of storytelling angle of mm-hmm. making sure that if we're going to make a video for a client, it has to fulfill that purpose. It has to, you know, get the right information across in, in a way that maybe the, the blog format couldn't or a podcast yeah. couldn't. Um, yeah. So I think that's a really important pro- thought process as well. Is well, I think the number, the, number of hours, saying, the number of hours that go into crafting the storyboard and the scripts and everything that goes along before before it's even walked in potentially to yeah, yeah. someone like yourself to, to, to bring that to life, bring that vision to life is considered. Yeah, no, it's crazy. And I guess in terms of, you know, Sam, I'll, I'll come back to you for the final piece, but in the sense of um, Instagram, YouTube, all the various channels you can put videos out on these days, I and, mean, you know, we, we use some, but... Is the kind of concept around having the teaser aspects to anything impacting things? Because you obviously get the first to get the clips aspect to it now on Instagram before you click through. Um, and I guess tying into what Ollie was saying about thinking what your objectives are and what you want something to do. Because um, I think we've been on a bit of a journey there ourselves, haven't we? You know, in the early days of thinking about the content we wanted to produce, how we put it out there, where we place it. Um, do you think that's just going to continue as, as, the, as the social media platforms kind of continue to evolve? I think we've seen it sort of change already where we've gone from uh, longer videos and then just getting cut down and cut down and you know it was 60 seconds for instagram now it's it, tiktok's like averaging seven seconds video and mm-hmm. um i think as the more content comes onto the market people's attention spans get shorter yeah um so i think we'll see a development there and in, in terms of you know that two minute piece to camera maybe or could it be 30 seconds i've only got so much time to look at my phone and go right okay you know i've got the message um yeah, yeah. I also think it's as well, doesn't it? Because if you can hook people in that, that seven, yeah. seven seconds, whatever it will be, you'll get them to watch it for longer. But if it's if it's not particularly engaging content, let's be honest, we've all seen a lot of video out there that's not that engaging. Okay. Yeah. You're not going to stick around for multiple minutes watching it. You're going to either turn it off or skip through it to get to the point you're interested in. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess it depends where you browse, where you're finding that content as well, doesn't it? Because I imagine, you know, the browsing habits across TikTok, for example, where you are kind of just browsing, seeing what's coming up, versus being on LinkedIn, mm. where you're getting served theoretically more relevant content, and you're in I a think, business frame of I mind. think on, the, on that, it's more about, uh, you know, the, fr- the phrase has been used for many years in marketing, cutting through the noise, and, you know, whether, whether it was physical marketing and physical direct mails that were being sent to people or whether it was more around digital marketing cutting through the noise and I think we're also getting to the stage now of video marketing cutting through that noise and and differentiating yourself on each platform because as you say scrolling through attention spans number of items you're seeing consuming every day something's got to make it pop so whether that's in your Instagram feed your YouTube channel 
your LinkedIn feed, whatever it may be, if it is just a standard piece of camera. And this is again where agencies do come into their own maybe of thinking about headlines and copywriting and hooks and colours and palettes or whatever it may be that just makes it stand out that bit more on somebody's feed when perhaps you have got a second or a couple of seconds to actually catch their attention um, until you build that kind of brand and reputation where somebody proactively wants to listen to what you say um, because they, you know, they're obviously more of a follower at that point, a bit more believer in it. So... Okay, I think we'll leave it there for today. Um, interesting chat. Thanks very much for that, guys. Hopefully people found that useful who are either using or considering video as part of their marketing communications mix. Um, feel free to check out www.b2bknowledge.com, our on online, ungated um, content hub to help our prospects, contacts, and clients navigate the ever-evolving B2B marketing landscape. Um, thanks very much, everyone, and we'll see you next week. Cheers. Thanks. Yeah.